Passport to heaven. Passport to passport to heaven. Welcome to Extended Clip. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. JT White. This is an experimental episode. Uh, episode seven of the show. So we just recorded episode six. You heard it last week. It was classic. Robert Bresson versus Uwe Boll. Who won? We don't even remember. We had so many good laughs yeah. then. Yeah. My, I don't remember it happening at all. Yeah, and it happened 30 minutes ago. So we are doing two episodes because Malcolm's going out of town this week. And we're, we're experimenting a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry to throw you under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're going to reach me, I'm not in town. Well, actually, by the time this is released, I should I might be back in town in a couple of days. So. Yeah, he's got to get away for a little while. <laughs> gotta lay low. <laughs> so we're gonna be doing a little. Let's uh, just say uh, when the Epstein news came out, Epstein. Malcolm had to lay low for a little while. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, fuck this Area Fifty One shit. We're raiding Epstein's island. <laughs> so what we're here to do is, you know, we weren't gonna watch another two movies. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no. uh, but we've seen so many fucking movies, man. We're gonna do a little bit of a, uh, a State of the Union, State of Cinema, twenty nineteen edition. Uh, taking a look at what we've liked this year and uh, what we didn't like and what people are liking and talking about. and It's always fun to check in on the discourse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, we are kind of in a vacuum. We're outside of the discourse, but we're trying to plunge right into that shit. Mm-hmm. Zeitgeist. Yeah. This is our most zeitgeisty episode for sure. Yeah. Let's get this trending. Yeah. Clippers. Extend clip fans. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get those follows with this one. Yeah. The Clippers is a good name for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the Clippers now have like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They're like yeah. a dynasty in the making right there. Exactly. Yeah. Big three, just like us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's the third of their big Patrick three? Patrick Beverly. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, he's one of my favorite players. No, I love in him the so league, much. For sure. Yeah. And we'll talk about basketball in a little bit. Yeah, my true. number two <laughs> film of the year so far has to do with basketball. Oh, shit. What is it? Is it directed by Steven Soderbergh in a film for Netflix? Yep. Damn. So we'll talk about it later, though. There's two things that we're doing in this episode. We're also going to be opening up the phone lines, doing a little classic talk radio, baby. Wonder, I hope someone calls us. I put the signal out. I'm not plugging my phone in yet because we also have the Domino's tracker running. So uh, Put the Domino's tracker on the line, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that'll be like after we take a little pizza break. Uh, One of the great inventions of the 21st century, the, the tracker on the Domino's app. Like, that's... That's a pretty good thing right there. You, it's fun to, it's satisfying to look at. Much like Soderbergh with the iPhone, uh, <laughs> pizza delivery has taken leaps and bounds in the mobile phone era, just like cinema. Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest take that I'm going to have this up is that uh, the Domino's tracker is the, my favorite mm. thing I've seen this year. All right. Not to get into High Flying Bird, yeah. but... I I've I like this movie quite a, a good amount too. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've recommended it to can't get over the iPhone aspect of it. Really? Yeah. I think it looks beautiful. No, I like it a lot. I love it. It's just like that early digital stuff from the early mm-hmm. 2000s, you know. You're seeing a full new type of cinematography that looks different than what you're used to and the artists who are using it well are pushing it to its boundaries. They're trying to find what's the furthest we can take this new technology. And I think Soderbergh's using it for its mobility more than anything here. You know, Unsane, he used it more for the depth, I would say. It brings an interesting version of depth of field. But here he's using it for the mobility and he's setting up, you know, it seems like he has eight iPhones set up. He might just have one and he's just doing a bunch of setups, but he's cutting across what other filmmakers would call coverage so cleverly that you can't even call it that. Each frame is so perfectly composed to its last inch that he's just using the mobility of the iPhone, as Mm -hmm. I've said before, uh, to really just get every possible angle you could want for every scene. No, yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, that's why, that's a big reason why I like it. Yeah, it's great. Also, I think that's kind of reminiscent of kind of what like Spike Lee was doing with Bamboozled with like the mini cameras and how he would just set up like eight per shot Yeah, and just go with one of those in the edit, which it's kind of a crazy crazy way to do it i think and but. like bamboozled it like the the form really matches the content you know uh high totally. flying bird the script by Terrell alvin mccraney who is famous for adapting moonlight uh, or not adapting he was the author of the original play for moonlight i believe and his script for this is so great it's this rapid fire thing that we didn't see in something like moonlight it's you know 
a rapid fire sports drama. And it's about contract negotiation. It's set during an NBA lockout. Oh, man, you remember the last NBA lockout? I was a mess. <laughs> and this movie would have been perfect for me back then. But now it's great, too, because I can look back and say, whew, at least we have the great NBA that we do now, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Soderbergh, just every year, he's coming out with multiple great movies. He's really one of the only... Like, what I probably going to get at throughout this episode is that the cinema right now is as good as it's ever been for like established auteurs everything other than that is shit yeah Soderbergh is like using the system for you know using his clout as an established auteur to participate in our current system in like the best way he possibly can that is true like yeah he's really you know it used to be kind of uh people would say you know you do one for them one for yourself he's yeah. really he's just taking it all now which is i you know you have to respect that as yeah if you if you watch films through the auteurist lens i guess if, yeah. if you do that i'd like to think we do i know yeah I no know we, we do, do. we yeah. do but the <laughs> not pe- everyone yeah, 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 yeah the not people everyone. that malcolm recommended the movie to that didn't like no it. yeah oh boy and that, <laughs> my number one of the year right now i'll, I'll get to it later but that's a further <laughs> interpretation yeah. of the auteur theory anyway uh, jt what have you liked this year oh goodness i don't I feel like I haven't liked a whole lot. I mean, I think the big hits for me that I had were, I'd say, Her Smell and uh, High Life. I loved both of those. Oh, yeah. and The mm-hmm. Image Book. Would oh, you consider oh, that? Or that is one that, is that. That, that one was, I feel like is on the border. I don't know. For my rules, it's last year. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. But it's this year, sure. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, like. It got, uh, a, it got a limited release here at the Arrow, I believe, for like a month. Yeah. 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 I didn't like that one as much. I thought it was pretty good, though. Yeah. Yeah, I had a good time at that. Her smell, I think, like, was something. I know you're not as. Uh, big into alex ross perry was this the first one that you've seen that you you liked liked. oh okay i i liked listen up philip and uh the other one that i liked uh queen of earth i I thought those were pretty good the color wheel was okay it was a bit grating i appreciated a lot of what it was doing uh and i think i'd like it again like i'd like it more if i watched it again probably but man golden exits that's one of the worst films of the decade (laughs) yeah i like I've been sort of following Alex Ross Perry for a while because he's from like the same like Philly area mm-hmm. area when um, Listen Up Philip came out for the first time I saw him like at Philly Film Fest speak and it's been nice to like sort of uh, trace his career and like oh, yeah. watch him grow and I think like this was just like I don't know the first time his characters I feel like were like really truly empathetic mm-hmm. like I've gelled with his style yeah um consistently but like i i don't know this is i feel like there's a a big heart in this one that is like for sure so absent from the others and i think that's what really like sold it to me that he's like maturing yeah the quote-unquote relatable aspects of his previous films were like the my worst insecurities like uh i i know i'm not that bad you know but i'm watching listen up philip i'm like oh geez do i fucking act like that sometimes oh god <laughs> but uh her small it's the different thing where it's like oh you really feel for this character you're not you know trying to emulate or anything this is a fucking rock star yeah uh but you really fucking feel for her it's great and then i also think like it's just like so spectacularly funny Oh yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, and the way that he's using the steady cam like really helps with that like really manic sensibility. You know, it's two minutes into a steady cam shot through different rooms where she walks in and you know uh, whatever ding dong the bitch is back or whatever she <laughs> says along those lines. Like uh, you know, all those little quips are dumb, but in the context of this giant mess that is the first hour of the film, they're hilarious and they just build upon each other in a great way. Yeah, I didn't see it. Uh, that uh, article <laughs> that came out that he wrote about like being happy about the Disney oh that shit's dumb merger as fuck. Yeah. that kind of turned me off. But I'll I'll download it. I'll check it out. Yeah, no, he's one the of boys those guys. Like it, so I'll check it out. That yeah. like article felt so weird. It felt like he was like, doing irony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the acquisition's actually very good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the merger that is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so that, that's another thing about the state of cinema. Yeah, the state Ooh. of cinema. Look, Disney's eating it up. Uh, well, Malcolm, was there another film that you wanted to talk about before we get into some broader stuff, like one of your favorites from oh, this year? I mean, Beach Bum's an eternal favorite of mine. Oh, for but sure. I, you got to go off on that because I I liked it, but oh, I didn't love I'm it. So See, that's the thing. I, I really, it. I really don't. 
I, I don't know if I have like, like a good explanation to, I just, I'm so in tune with like the rhythm Kareen presents mm -hmm. and I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's funny. I've read a lot of criticisms of it and like, I almost agree to a certain extent and maybe, uh, but I feel like a lot of the response is like basically mad that Kareen doesn't punish the McConaughey yeah. character. I don't know if that needs to happen. Yeah. But he's I, made films. Look, yeah. You look at his past catalog. It's not, yeah, I don't know. That seems like a misunderstanding. Martin Lawrence is extremely yeah. good in his scene. <laughs> Martin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You talk about character performances. I love the Martin Lawrence characters. Super funny. Uh, Zach Efron, you know, playing somewhat against type. Um, oh, hi, are you <laughs> people. <laughs> I think we're going to pause the podcast now. For All right. Pizza. Yeah. Well, we're back on extended clip. Uh, uh, uh. We had our little pizza break. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, he goes off in this part. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that was about to get me real emotional. Too much, yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave this open. Uh, <laughs> All right, I just posted it on the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why it sounded. It, it was like it was mixed different or something. Yeah. Like certain channels were missing. That was very weird. Uh, can you talk? I want to make sure we're going. <coughs> right. One, two, three. And JT? One, two, three. Okay, cool. And then my phone is this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Yeah, I don't know how to make it make sound. Well, I guess I got it earlier when it was playing uh, See You in My Nightmares. <laughs> we are back from Pizza Break. We were talking about the Beach Bum. Yeah. I was wrapping it up on that. Um. So yeah, Beach Bum. It's really good. Um, haters stay mad at its carefree attitude, and I could see why. I could see why. I I get. I think, like I said, I get most critiques of this movie, but there's something about Kareen's rhythm. He's kind of building off the thing he did in Spring Breakers, where characters would conversations would carry on in multiple locations, uh, which is really enjoyable to me. It has some. Some laid back performances with McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, Ilsa Fisher, but also some like exuberant, uh, zany performances. Jonah Hill, Martin Lawrence, Zach jo Efron. Jonah Hill's a bit much in this one. I, like, I, I couldn't get on board. I could get uh, on board with uh, Zach Efron. Yeah. I could, oh, you don't even have to get like on board for Martin Lawrence. That's True. just amazing, right? Mm -hmm. get, yeah. Jonah Hill, I could not. Yeah. <laughs> that was fucked. Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill's performance, I, I, I initially, when I first saw it, and I've seen this movie about five times. But uh, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I have a friend, shout out Adam Spooth. He saw it seven times in theater, I Hell think. Yeah. Um Corin Warriors. Corin War dude, Corin Heads. And uh mm -hmm. Yeah, um I like I don't know. It's just really funny. I I it just comes from the I like the deep southern accent. I always think that's funny. That's kind of yeah. I do that sometimes to make people laugh. Foghorn leghorn. Yeah, foghorn leghorn. An old southern gentleman. Yeah. It's a it's a concept I'm I'm kind of obsessed with the southern gentleman so mm -hmm. oh so they're great <laughs> they're great yeah so uh other films that were good like uh, dragged across concrete was really good loved it i liked ma quite a bit i thought that was really fun it was very dumb and like mishandles a lot of like yeah. serious issues kind of but I, as just like a pure genre exercise in just like old school kind of grindhouse high prep high concept fun mm -hmm. star vehicle it's quite fun you know it's quite it has fun. a lot of laughs malcolm and i saw it together that was like our first date yeah and uh it was a lot of fun i laughed my ass off no yeah i was i thought that movie was hilarious and i've been a been a big a advocate for it you know there's been a lot of horror movies out this year but i feel like ma's my favorite come to think of it yeah oh no ma is my second high third highest rated horror film oh uh, so it's not year. even close for no you. no no number four on my overall list uh is the dead don't die that would be oh, my favorite horror movie oh, right this on. year jarmusch's late period film it's so good we're i'll probably get back to this one when we at the end of the year do our top 10 this will still be best of the year for i was me. i was trying to see it this week and it's pretty much gone so oh, yeah it, it went away quick jarmusch also like corinne like arp does not exactly rake in the big bucks no. when their films get put on the big platforms no yeah um, but it's not about money. It's about the art. That's yeah. one thing I'd like to say. <laughs> and one person who understands that Damn. more than anyone, Brian De Palma, who's got my favorite oh. film of the year Ooh. so far with Domino, a VOD release, co international co-production, mm -hmm. low pr 
possibly the lowest budget he's worked with, uh, it, it adjusted for inflation at least since his actual like no budget early films like Greetings and The Wedding Party and even Hi Mom maybe was about this level. But it's really fun, man. It's just there are three set pieces that are just incredible. De Palma. There's one that's like a split screen simulcast of like or not simulcast a live cast of a you know terrorist attack and it's shot in like the that side of the screen is shot pov like a first person shooter and then the other side of the screen is a reaction to it and it's just as blatant like perfect de palma kind of thing as you could ask for and then the last set piece has a lot of like voyeurism involved there's classic looking through binoculars at bad guys mm. uh classic you know not so classic but new to the de palma canon the drone his deployment of the drone is just incredible here within the diegesis of the film then using that camera just uh, so good i love brian de palma and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense there are some uh, quote-unquote plot holes <laughs> some things that are just like way too convenient it's a classic like de palma bozo lead performance this time from nicolaj costerwaldo maybe i'm saying his name wrong but he i hadn't really seen him in anything else previously he kind of like in body double or it's just the guy with kind of a funny looking face and he's not Mm -hmm. that good of an actor but he's the perfect thing to project all of this crazy stuff onto and guy pierce is in it for a little bit he's he is so good. <laughs> I forget. I like Domino as much as you, and seeing the De Palma moments connect, especially the set pieces you spoke to, it's great. You know, it's it's yeah. it's a be, it's a better feeling than watching just like a, a really good movie from this year. It's just like the three minutes from Domino that are really good. Yeah, like those. That's that's what really strikes me. I didn't I, I didn't connect to it as much as you did. I feel like like some of the acting and the writing just kind of doesn't deliver for me, but. Just for those moments of excitement alone, it's just it's a must see. For sure. sure. All right. Uh, anything else from this year you like that much, JT? Other than like I bring up her her smell and I guess high life. I really liked. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on uh, one thing I, I really didn't like. Okay, we're um, gonna get into some stuff we don't like right bit. now. What, what, what is? I want to see if it's on this list that I'm looking at. Um, what's the list? The list is Letterboxd's official top fifty of 2019, um, based on average Letterboxd user rating. It is the new Godzilla movie. Oh it's no, Godzilla that is not King on here. No, I didn't figure. Okay, yeah. Um, but I just like, especially because like this year. I uh, got into the whole Godzilla thing mostly because I was like, oh, there's a new one. I think Mm -hmm. this would be a fun little project uh, to explore. I saw that after I had like, I think I had seen like three, maybe like when I saw that under my belt. And it was just like, I mean, obviously I feel like the American Godzillas are like a totally different thing. And like, I don't know. I think the most interesting parts of like Godzilla as a spectacle is that there's this weird, like, kind of friendly relationship to it that's like a relationship to nature. Yeah. Um, But it really lacks that in the new one. I mean, and it's not even interesting or good to look at. Well, that's, uh, yeah. When you get a dumb action movie, you want at least to be able to look at it. So what we're going to talk about right now, I got the list right now of the Letterboxd official top 50 of 2019 and we're at the point of the year where there's a lot of stuff on here that's like screened at a couple of festivals, and so we don't even know what it is. Uh, Fifty though is Rocket Man, the Elton John movie. Damn, I think that's a great way to get into some State of the Union Cinema 2019 shit, right? Sure. We got these music biopics coming out left and right. Why they suck? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. So what, th- what's the reason? You got this, you got Yesterday, you got Bohemian Rhapsody last year. I mean, Yesterday's not a biopic, but it's a, let's use the Beatles influence. I think it's kind of like a boomer poll, like to the, like I, from what I've heard through just like people talking about like their parents, like going to the movies, I think like that's something where it's like, I don't know, can get like an older crowd. I feel like, because I don't know how often young people uh, like who aren't like crazy into like the movies are going so i feel like that's a like a more steady generation to try and market like a like a flick to that isn't like a superhero thing makes sense yeah the genre is just so oh god like i i didn't watch rocket man i watched you know a couple chunks of bohemian rhapsody uh i didn't watch yesterday it's just they seem like the most 
offensive thing to the sensibility of the music even if like i'm not a huge elton john fan necessarily or Mm -hmm. queen i'm not a fan of either and the beatles you know the stuff that they're covering in that movie probably isn't the stuff that i'm that into but it's just it feels like the totally wrong approach to it and just getting a nice little like hero arc out of a musical catalog just feels weird to me and they all just look like shit you know Mm -hmm. yeah this this kind of feels like it sterilizes their image and just kind of like you said, the aspect of going just through them like one by one, like it's it's kind of like a cinematic universe in a, in a sense. It is, yeah. It's the music biopic cinematic universe. Yeah. Taron Edgerton and uh, <laughs> Rami Malek and the guy from yesterday are all hanging out. <laughs> Monster Island. So we were talking about Rocket Man. That's the 50th highest rated film on Letterboxd uh, for this year right now. And we're going to go through them a little quicker now because the next four, I don't even know what they are. Uh, Midnight Family, Cold Case, Hammer Scold, One Child Nation, The Days to Come. Uh, sorry about my phone. I'll, I'll put that on silent. I'm keeping it open because we're, we are engaged in call-in mode right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. We're not the lines out. are open. Lines yeah, are I was gonna if say, you're listening to this right <laughs> yeah. now, lines please call in. The yeah. lines are open. Uh, so all of those films, I like don't know what they are. Do you know any of Not, those films? Then no, no. Pass them. Pass. Yeah. They so yeah. forty five. Hail Satan is like a documentary that got oh. that played at like one of the theaters I wanna, out here for a while. Like there's, uh, I'm actually like a little bit familiar with the documentarian Penny Lane oh. is her name. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, she she has, does animation too, right? Yeah, there's or animated docs, kind of. Kind of, yeah. There's like one, like I've seen a few of her things, and they're they're pretty good. They, she yeah. has this ten minute short uh, called Voyager mm-hmm. um, that's uh, pretty interesting. That's like a like a little like look at a relationship kind of. It's it's neat. Nice. After that, we got Midnight Traveler, Monos, Still Human. The Peanut Butter Falcon, and a documentary about Diego Maradona. Do you know what any of these are? I mean, I know who Diego Maradona is, but it that the title of the film is just his name. Well, no. so that no, was yeah. forty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, up to thirty nine. Now we got Us. Oh, classic, controversial uh, horror film, an instant classic. Instant as some classic. said Hitchcockian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, many many have said Hitchcockian. Yeah. yeah. No, it, I think it's pretty bad. And like, I, I actually like to get out quite a bit, but Us was. I don't know. It really loses track of what it's trying to say. Oh, like, for sure. The second it goes into its kind of lore, I don't know. But uh, it seems like we're... Is that, a, is that a call that we're getting? Oh, my goodness. Extended clip. You're you're on the air. Hello. Hey, is this is this Ryan Swen on the air right now? Yes, it is. Oh, oh what's shit. up, buddy? How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. We are... Uh, we're currently recording our second episode of the day. We're recording kind of a... Going through the top 50 right now of Letterboxd's 2019 releases. Oh, God. Yeah, it's really fun. There's a, Okay, I got to ask you. Have you heard of Midnight Family or One Child Nation or The Days to Come? I think I've heard of the first two, but I can't say I've heard of the third one. Okay, I feel like we're in a weird part of the year right now where a lot of these films are like, they have 100 views or less, and they played at one festival, and people love them. I mean, are these... These are premieres right not releases i guess it's whatever letterbox you know qualifies so premieres, there. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we just got uh, to number 39 which is us did, did you like us much i liked it it has certain problems but i think that a lot of what it's doing on a purely horror level i think works really well yeah i would say especially the first the first like uh home invasion thing was really well done oh, i yeah, really like that it kind of as i said about a minute before you called in mm-hmm. Uh, yeah it kind of falls apart for me just like on a what it's trying to say i guess i think i preferred like the very simple nature of something like get out uh this one really lost Mm -hmm. me after a while uh not to sound too basic or anti anti anti-intellectual i guess (laughs) no i think yeah i kind of agree with ryan and I, i i was really impressed like I feel like the technicals of everything was really up to par then that's kind of what impressed me the most and kind of like guided me through the movie rather than i guess the message I, I kind of felt i kind of feel the same the way you do about the message but i guess i didn't mind it that aspect not delivering as much what about you jt did you see it oh uh, no i haven't seen it oh, i haven't damn. dipped my toes oh okay. uh, does that stand for united states oh <laughs> shit <laughs> all right well uh after that was uh spider-man far from home did any any of us see that one 
didn't catch it. No. No. I, I'm not going to either. <laughs> Probably not. Um, Ryan, is there anything you're like really excited about that's coming out soon? Oh, in terms of... Just, in terms uh, of like wide uh, releases, yeah. Big oh, movies. wide releases. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything wide releases. Okay, well, I was going to say the next one on the list right now is a wide release that opens in two weeks. See, who could have rated this already? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Damn. is oh. the number 33 <laughs> film of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a ruse. I'm pretty excited for this, you know? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really fascinating. I, I'm excited to see how it turns out. I'm not really sure how how i'll react to it personally but we'll see yeah well mm -hmm. wh while we have you on the line right i know you are a uh, an adamant list keeper so what <laughs> yes. what do you have at your 2019 releases or premieres i guess wh which list do you usually defer to by year i mean for in terms of just general list keeping the premieres but i do keep releases as well and, I, and it well what is your both. favorite 2019 premiere for right now premiere right now is this film called belonging a Turkish film by Brock Sivik, which premiered in at Berlin. Okay. And it's really, I, I was really taken with it. It's sort of this retelling of the of the director's his, I believe his aunt, where she and her fiance basically uh, killed her mother and father. Ooh. And it's told in this two part sort of format. The first part is all long shots of of almost people or unpeopled landscapes and of the places where they were as this narrator recites the sort of police report that the that her aunt's fiance gave and it's just no no um none of no actors basically on on screen for the first 30 or so minutes oh, of okay. this 70 minute film and then for the rest of the 40 minutes it's this basically almost before sunrise-esque one night of like one night and then the following day encounter the first time that the aunt and the fiance meet and it's just i think a really fascinating way of getting at this sort of personal story and representing it in a really remarkable way and it's just shot and directed really well and i, I really liked it well you make a great case for it i mean just the descriptions of how it works on a uh, basic structural level sounds like an interesting concept from the get-go. Yeah, that sounds like... Do you know what the uh, status, is, status of it is in terms of a release out here? I, I don't know. I, I know played at New Director's New Films. I don't know if there... I don't think there are any distribution things lined up right now, but you never know. Yeah, did you watch it on a, uh, a screener? Yeah, I reviewed it for New Director's New Films. Oh, okay. Mm. All right, all right. Well... Glad to have a new director's new films certified critic Ryan Swen on the show. <laughs> I mean, not 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 for them, but like for like as part of the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we are. It looks like I'm getting another call. Oh man, and I don't okay. have a call waiting or screener. So thank you so much for calling in, Ryan. Uh, I'll okay. see you around, buddy. See you around. Thanks yeah. for having me. Of course. Cool. Oh shit! I hung up on the other person. That's <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. We don't uh, need them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, whatever. We can keep going through this list. <laughs> we can call them. We'll call yeah. them. No. 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 Whatever. Oh, if, shit, if it yeah. was meant to be, if it, if it was meant to be, it's meant to be. You know what? Okay. Let's roll with. It. And we can't uh, call someone like without them initially knowing they're being recorded. Uh, it's against the freaking law. Well, you could just be like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not getting us arrested for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> the feds listening to this shit. You really think so? <laughs> so speaking of the once once upon a time in Hollywood, where are you guys at on like the recent output of Tarantino? His last couple films, I didn't like Kate Fulight. Mm -hmm. What what other movies? Has he Django made? is the one before. Uh, I liked it when I was like twelve. Yeah, I, me I too. Um, <laughs> I guess I was fourteen. I don't yeah. like bastards either. So I really, guess I'm pretty down. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just like Tarantino is something I've just like try to avoid. Like, yeah, re uh, like revisiting. Like I saw Hateful Eight and like didn't really like it. Like it didn't do much for me, and it just like dragged. Mm -hmm. Um, but like every time I've like gone back to stuff that I thought I liked, and I figured like oh like watch this with a group of folks. Like it, the luster and fun of just like these hyper references kind of like loses steam. Oh, for like, sure. So yeah. it's like. You see it once and it's kind of like nifty and uh, yeah, like I watched uh, the first part of Kill Bill like two years ago and uh, didn't 
uh, didn't do anything for yeah, me. Yeah, no, Kill Bill is the one that sticks out like a sore thumb for me as just being too much of like a reference book, you know, and just not very fun, honestly. Like mm-hmm. the action scenes don't do it for me the way they do in like the Kung Fu, the martial arts movies that I enjoy. But I actually, in like Django has a lot wrong with it, but it's pretty fun from what I remember. Mm-hmm. There's a Rick Ross song, which I, oh, I'd like yeah. to see Tarantino return to the well of Rick Ross. Uh, that might be the only hip hop he's ever used in any of his films. Have you seen Tarantino on BET interview? No, oh. I don't think. Oh, you know what? I saw I saw a clip from it. Our, our friend Rob Franco, I believe, has clipped that interview a couple times. That is, yeah, yeah, he that's has. definitely worth seeking out. Yeah, that's all I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> Yeah, I uh yeah, there's there's a certain relationship with a certain ethnic group that Quentin Tarantino has that is uh not my exactly not my thing to dig at really. I, yeah. I can't I'm not the one to uh, I get what you mean. see what he's projecting or trying to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. He it's just a weird relationship he has. No, for sure. I'm all for Tarantino malaise, and I genuinely feel it. But this movie, I'm, I don't know, it looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it looks fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. Being said, I'm yeah. like, eh, I'll probably. I like. I'm excited because I legitimately don't know how I'm gonna feel. Like, yeah, there's true. a good chance, like, I could very like love it or hate it. And, yeah, like, there's a good chance he'll do some dumb historical revisionism thing where like Pitt and DiCaprio like team up to stop the murder of Sharon Tate or something like that. <laughs> Uh, like how True. they killed Hitler and Inglorious Bastards, like mm-hmm. yeah. But I think it'll be good. I mean, on, on a pure stylistic level, I don't think Tarantino has ever done me wrong necessarily. Yeah. Uh, even though Kill Bill gets a bit dry in spots, like in part because of his hyperactive style and his decision to make twenty minutes of it anime, which is just like looking back, that's really? just a bad. The anime sequence in Kill Bill One is really long. Yeah, I've I don't think it's it. actually twenty minutes, but it's like. 15 maybe yeah it's, it's pretty fucking long. and it's just like such an unnecessary like derivation i yeah, feel sure. like so i'm gonna continue on this list john wick three uh john wick movies are like okay to me they're like pretty good but they're just like something holds them back from being actually good no yeah they're too they're too pristine there's nothing rough around the edges with them it's, yeah it's i don't they're like they're fun i thought the first like 15 minutes of john wick three was a lot of fun but i don't know eventually i just kind of get over it but it's not bad either. Yeah, I haven't like. I feel like I'd probably I, I might be more prone to the John Wick series uh, than you fells, but I haven't like. I don't know. That yeah. hasn't been something that like it's, has been it's my fun first priority. To watch. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're bad. I've yeah. given both of them three out of five on Letterbox. I haven't seen the third one yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that is Honeyland. Don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Thunder review a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. I am very excited to yeah. watch this. I haven't watched it yet. It's like almost three hours, so I guess I'm not three that hours. excited to watch it. <laughs> Probably won't watch it. Just saying. Twenty eight. Now this is a this is a curio. This is being Frank, the Chris C of A story. And judging by the poster, it looks to be a documentary about the guy who the movie Frank was based on. Do you remember the movie I Frank? Do yeah. like Frank. Really just freaking out there. Experimental band, man. They were trippy. Uh, <laughs> very bad. Very bad. Like, uh, here's Captain Beefheart once type music. Uh-huh. Uh, like anti-music, whatever. And Michael Fassbender is like a, under the suit or whatever. The mask? Or yeah. yeah, under the head. mask. The yeah, head it's a head. head. Paper mache head. I remember seeing that back in the day. Yeah. In Don't. film de Lenny Abrahamson of <laughs> Room fame. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I remember that film, uh, not Room. Room is also bad for other reasons. Room's but bad. I remember Frank having some of the most obnoxious like text on screen. Like uh, when the guy was going viral on Twitter, like you would get Twitter notifications on the screen, like a little boop boop and a little bird, you know? That's tight. Yeah. It was actually very cool. And I like very Twitter. Very 21st century. <laughs> I like Twitter being represented in film. It's a very important part of the culture. We know this. Uh, Varda by Agnes is next. I haven't seen that yet. I'm sure it's great, honestly. R.I.P. to the legend. I'm not even going to joke around. No, yeah. Uh, other than the fact that her previous one was not that good. <laughs> Faces Ooh. Places was like, okay. Damn. I don't know. JR? You know, JR? Yeah, J- JR, was, <laughs> JR might have given the worst performance of last year. <laughs> With Varda giving one of the best. But uh, yeah, he was so bad. 26, Semera's family. Don't know what that is. 25, Midsommar. Now, Malcolm saw this picture, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Um, Is this where we get even deeper into our prestige horror 2019 consensus? Yeah, well, you know, about one thing people know about me is that I love prestige horror. 
but I, I'm, I'm kidding. I actually don't. Um, <laughs> elevated horror. Got him. Elevated. The actual Got word. Him. Yeah. Got him. John Krasinski, uh, you're on watch. Krasinski. Kras- Kras- all right. Krasinski was, might've been the most, I feel like I'm more mad at him than Oster for His some reason. His is just egregious. Like yeah. it's just, <laughs> Midsommar's bad. It's really kind of like structurally same as hereditary. A lot of like meandering in the first 15 minutes, then just like an hour and an hour and change just trying to make you feel grief or then it gets into the fun and games as like we like to call it, you know, some weird cult stuff. But it takes an hour and a half to get out of the grief part because hereditary, which I didn't like, admittedly was only like a family drama for 30 minutes. No. Yeah. it, It takes about... Is it like a drama for like over an hour? The worst part about it is like it, there's like 15 minutes before they travel mm-hmm. to Sweden and it's like just establishing the relationship drama. Then they get to Sweden. There's like a small shroom trip, which is fine. Um, I had I had a couple right next to me and there's this guy like pointing to his girlfriend every time. He's like, look at that. Like the tree's like moving. It's like trippy. <laughs> so every time that would happen, which it does happen a lot, especially later in the movie. That sounds miserable. Yeah, it's it's really... Yeah, it's really bad. And just hearing that guy beside me do that made me think of like, this is so like stupid what I'm saying. It's screen. Midsummer's that's chappy moment. That's chappy. <laughs> that's the drugs. That's Midsummer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it really meanders. And then it harps on, it really harps on the relationship drama of the main character, Danny, and her like shit heel boyfriend, an awful character mm. who just exists to fuck up basically. In like small discreet ways in which you know says something about relationships and i heard oster had said that this movie was about his relationship and when i heard that you know i just assumed that he he was the boyfriend character was a conduit for him him kind of atoning for his boyfriend's sins yeah or I'm whatever sure he's like one of the he seems like a pretty oh, typical shit boyfriend yeah yeah, yeah unlike me <laughs> the, he's unlike a me real yeah. good boyfriend and yeah and so you know even even if it was that it's still not good but then i heard he identifies with the danny the female character um in the movie and all the shit she has to go through and i think it's just real cheap because it's like that char- the boyfriend character is I don't know. It just seems so one-dimensional, and it's kind of a it's kind of a a rough depiction of his girlfriend. If you know everything he says is true, and it's just it it, it kind of allows I don't know. And for viewers or listeners who uh, <laughs> listening in and know the ending, I I feel like knowing that in the ending it really fucks you up. I wanted to see Crawl instead. No one would go see Crawl oh. with me, so. A lot of lot of lot of lot of people my age love prestige horror, so you gotta kind yeah. of have to watch it, keep up with it, be I part of the discussion. Crawl. I want to see crawl. That yeah. seems like a, an answer to the prestige no. horror. Yeah. I also, crawls like ninety minutes. Midsummer's like one forty-seven. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just think of <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, man. Um, there's all right, but some positive things. Midsummer. Once it gets there's some like. Uh, weird stuff towards the back end. I think that's done pretty well. And there's a lot of anim- like children's animations, like not animations, like drawings, childish drawings that have like dicks and like asses out in them. And I always like that type of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Children like, drawing dicks? Children drawing dicks. Not, <laughs> well, just like, you know, like a childish scribble type photo. Yeah. You know, there's some gross stuff in there. It gets a little mm-hmm. fun, but. Yeah, it seems like there's fun to be had, but like a five-minute compilation of fun to be had over yeah. 130 minutes. It's it's about relate. It's like it it's it's very about this relationship drama, yeah. and I'm not interested. Yeah, that sounds like it sucks. Uh, I'm going through them now, and like, I think the next five. Ooh. No, it looks like the next six. Five of the next six are all. Uh, documentaries that also have like TV movie tagged on Letterboxd. That is another state of cinema thing we have to talk about. Netflix and Hulu, they're producing at such a high rate these documentaries that often take over the zeitgeist for like a week or two at a time. And Mm -hmm. they all have really high rating because they all have the same house style that like undercovers a truly harrowing story mm. and they're all really you know all about shock value and these crazy things that happen that you wouldn't believe and you all use the same style of yeah. storytelling and it's really just annoying like i watched the Firefest one earlier this mm-hmm. year yeah. which really felt like it encapsulated 
every nonfiction uh, Netflix original that I've watched. And it's just so boring on like a filmmaking level. Like nonfiction doesn't have to be a TV movie every time. I mean, it's so depressing that like, I feel like I saw the beginning of it. Like when like Netflix first emerged as like a thing, there was like a smaller like amount of like docs. And of Mm. course, like there's a fair bit of that like TV doc that is just like not particularly formal formally interesting and just straightforward and there are a lot of those out there but now just like the genre as a whole just has mm-hmm. this glut of just like yeah uh such poorly made work yeah dominating it i mean it's always been like that if you look at the early 2000s there's a lot of straight to dvd yeah. amateur documentaries but now i think netflix giving the platform makes it feel like and i'm sure there are more of these produced today but it being so accessible you don't have to go to the gas station DVD bin to find these movies anymore. They're on the Netflix homepage, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, that's a lot of these movies like mm-hmm. uh, 63 Up, Love on Tasha, What's My Name, Muhammad Ali, At the Heart of Gold, Inside the USA Gymnastics what Scandal, Chasing Happiness, <laughs> all in a row. Honey Boy is in the middle of that. That's a fiction film with Shia LaBeouf. And it's, it's a festival fave. Uh, I haven't heard of any of those documentaries. Yeah, and then we got Pain and Glory. What's Pain and Glory? Hmm. Two things. Oh, I'm that's the new with. Almodovar. So then again, oh, yeah, established oh. towards. Hey, you know, hey. Almodovar. Hey. I've only seen Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. I thought it was quite a good movie. I might have to see this. You know, uh, it has very bad ratings. It seems from <laughs> my friends on Letterbox to have watched it. But you haters. know, hey, my friends can be haters. Haters make me famous. You Damn. know. <laughs> Uh, after that is Deadwood the movie. Oh. Either of you guys watch Deadwood? No. no I, I heard, heard they cuss on that show. Sure. <laughs> Damn. That's kind of... It's a show that I've always been like, maybe I'll watch Deadwood. But then we got The Edge of Democracy, which is the new Pedro Costa documentary oh, shit. about Brazil, which only one person I follow has logged it. And it's a great Brazilian critic, Felipe Furtado. He gave it... One and a half stars. Damn. Oh, damn. So Pedro Costa, you're on alert. Uh, we like Felipe, so uh, yeah, you're on. I watch. thought that got. Did, I feel like that just got announced super recently. I might be wrong though. Wasn't there new Costa Costa news? No, there might be another one. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, this one, it doesn't say. It only has eight fans on Letterboxd. So yeah, uh, but two people I follow have watched it. Oh, no, there's actually big reviews. It played at a festival. There's a David mm. Ehrlich three and a half. Ehrlich. Yeah, oh, we should have approval. also given the David Ehrlich rating for all these movies. Twelve. <laughs> oh boy, our favorite part of 2019 cinema. What do you think is the best part about 2019? Disney. Oh yeah, of course. All right. Well, it's Disney Toy Story Marvel. Four. Yeah. Oh hell Toy yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna watch that. My niece likes Forky. I'll let her have it. You know, I'll let <laughs> them have this one. I'm just not gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> Your niece wins this round. Yeah. <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I hear is good. We're in the top ten now. I don't know what it is though. What is that? I think it played at Cannes. That was mm-hmm. one of the Cannes premieres. See, we're we're in this weird part of the year where like th- all the stuff that played at festivals got like fives. That people Damn, will change classic. to three and a halfs when everyone outs the movie as being racist. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh yeah, actually, yeah. it was yeah. Lady on Fire sounds a little bit like a kind of a misogynistic thing. Yeah, to me. I wouldn't yeah. set Women on Fire. That's yeah. just me. Yeah, I'd put it. You know, if I saw a Woman on Fire, I'd put it out. I'd try. Speaking of how much I respect women, number nine is Book Smart, uh, which is a film I love and it's a masterpiece. And we're moving on. I love and I'm not s- <laughs> <laughs> about yeah. it. Just I, you know. <laughs> You, if we could turn the mics off real quick before we could talk. I love Booksmart so much. Yeah, let's turn the mics off. Yeah, I want to get okay. sincere with you guys. <laughs> yeah. I actually liked Booksmart. Yeah, me too. I'm not even like joking. Yeah, I, I thought the politics of it were like really powerful. Yeah. But it's like, it's not even that. It's just like how funny it was. The oh, banter so between them. Like and the randomness. Yeah, and they're all, you know, really likable characters. People oh, I could I love relate a good to. likable character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and the, most yeah. of all, it's a movie with a message <laughs> that... Yeah. If you don't get in the same college as your friend, you can take a gap year in Africa. <laughs> exactly. And add some legendary uh, L.A. scenery. Some oh, party yeah. scenes. Yeah. Pretty chill. One star. Truth and Justice. Apollo 11 is apparently a popular. That seems like one of those IMAX docs. Is yeah. It? Yeah. It's just one I of those things know. where you go watch space and IMAX. It seems fun to me. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I'll take it. <laughs> that is the number seven film of the year. Like, I'll God damn. It. People... There's a lot of films excluded from this list. People are really, they're, yeah. they're playing discern. Yeah, there are like big films that I'm surprised aren't on this yet. Yeah. No. Us 39? Harsh. Yeah, dude. Uh, number five, or number six, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which I think hasn't come out yet. No, it, it has. Out. Oh, it's it has? Out. Okay, because I know it was, play, it played Sundance, I think. 
and got like really glowing, like suspiciously glowing reviews there. So we'll see. I, sure. It's I, directed by a white guy. Yeah, yeah, I saw like his short is also like deals with race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the writer of both like the short and the film was black, um, but his short film uh, I thought like was all right. Mm-hmm. It's about like a crime that's committed that like someone wears like a black mask and he's oh, a white guy okay. oh. and then the mask like kind of fuses to his like skin and he can't get it mm. off and it's like they say i'm not sure if it legitimately is based on a real story or not but yeah he looks like a this director looks <laughs> like he's from the bay area he's a bay bro yeah he's wearing a um, giant's hat in this picture i, I have, just had to confirm yeah. that he was white because <laughs> like what if that was a what if i misremembered that that True. would be a bad <laughs> thing to say True, go as um uh, five is the lighthouse what's the light oh that's the new uh new prestige horror movie yeah that's the new one by the guy by the who did the witch the witch uh which i actually thought the witch like was that. the one prestige horror movie that i liked probably i liked it i liked it yeah at the time. yeah like it was just a fun mood piece like it wasn't mm-hmm. too serious i didn't think it was revolutionizing horror it was just like oh this is a fun spooky little mood piece 85 minutes long Hell true yeah, it did kind of get wrapped up in that people kind of gathered yeah. it as like the godfather of prestige horror yeah or yeah like a yeah new horror trend or it's something. a it's a three and a half you know yeah. it's good yeah real solid it's really work. good yeah number four is avengers end game <laughs> oh god probably that is probably the worst film i watched this year oh yeah you saw it yeah i saw it opening day dude you saw it, it opening sick. day what? yeah <laughs> that's what the fuck are, why I wanted to see it because I wanted to, I want to have a finger on the pulse, you know. Okay. I want to I want to mm. like the things that people like. Okay, so this was Endgame. The one before it was Infinity War. I also saw that like within a week of it coming out because this is back in my college days, one year ago, mm-hmm. and like the you know the kids from my screenwriting class were gonna go see Avengers. They were all pumped on it. I'm like, all right, I don't like this shit, but I'll try to make friends at school. Yeah, exactly. uh, and yeah, they never talked to me after this. Damn. I was like really nice about it, so I was like, oh yeah, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever, let's go to Applebee's. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, he doesn't like the fucking Avengers. He yeah, can't, he, his vibes off. I know what you mean though about trying to stay on the pulse like that. Totally. I like before uh like the last one i like caught up uh, to all the movies just because i was like well, are any of these good yeah and not particularly no they're the not answer. very good at all no i think the first ant-man has glimmers of a good movie in it because i think mm-hmm. peyton reed's quite a good director mm-hmm. uh if you watch like down with love or especially bring it on bring it on is bring it on's a great great film yeah but, but yeah, he's really he gets wrapped up in the MCU house style a bit too much. I mean, all of it, it is yeah is just like like glimmers of something potentially yeah, exactly. being good. Yeah. yeah, same with the Coogler. Yeah, because he's a good director too. Uh, yeah, and Creed is really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Black Panther just did not do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Creed uh, is really good. Yeah, I'm a big is. Creed fan. Is that like the best Rocky movie? Because I think it's at least in the top mm. two. I like Rocky three and Creed. I, I like think, the most. I like the. I have a lot of affection for the original Rocky. It's really oh yeah, original yeah. ones right below those two for yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Number three is The Farewell, which is... What? What's so this is a film starring Aquafina. Uh, oh, is, uh, that just came out. Diana yeah, Lynn. Out. Yeah. So this is a 4.2 right now. Sitting pretty on Letterboxd. Um, middling scores from my friends, but a four and a half from Damn. Sir David Ehrlich himself. Big Dave. May I quote, don't want to overhype this modest little film, but it cleared my skin, did my taxes, solved Brexit, fixed the Brexit. Oscars... Got the Starbucks guy to stop running. What? Oh, oh, uh, Starbucks. Okay. Uh, convinced Weezer to retire, killed Mitch McConnell, and made me really hungry. What the? F- when is this review from? Yeah. <laughs> I need. I uh, give me one second. January thirtieth. Okay. So damn. That still. I mean, that was, that's still dated. Yeah. That's way worse than I like. Ehrlich's bad, but like that was. Yeah, that was really. That rough. was one of his was, worst like, reviews. Like. Yeah. Damn. Did, as long as he didn't. He didn't throw in another director, like as if they made this. Film. True, That's yeah, like the, the yeah. classic. Yeah, number one. Oh, sorry, number two is whoa, Homecoming, whoa. a film by Beyonce. I did not watch. Thoughts that. on that, boys? It's a concert <laughs> film, uh, <laughs> and I heard it's a great concert film. You know, you but I, uh, as Sir David Ehrlich also said about this film, you couldn't help wonder uh, what Jonathan Demi would have done with this material. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, no, Beyonce fans have fun with that one. I heard it's amazing. I. Yeah, I don't know. And number one is Parasite, the new Bong Joon-ho. Um, Bong Joon-ho is pretty good. 
I saw, uh, actually, no, Okja was terrible, but uh, Memories of Murder is pretty good, mm-hmm. as is the other one that I thought was pretty good from Mother. Him. What, no, the what host? was the other one I watched from him? I guess Memories of Murder and Okja are the only ones I've seen. Wow. Memories of Murder was good. People overhyped that one so much, though. Yeah. And Okja was, like, just flat out terrible. But, you know, if this one's good, it's good. I, I You guys like Okja more than Didn't me, right? I liked Okja. You liked it, yeah. Um, I like, I don't know. I'd be curious to give him more of a look. I've heard yeah, the host is it. really good. I have saw, like, I'm interested. most of it yeah. at, at points. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I fell asleep. <laughs> Guilty. No, uh, no hankering to finish it up? No. I mean, it's just, like, I didn't... Uh, <laughs> I don't have to explain myself to you. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just mad that we only got one call. <laughs> True. Well, we, you guys want to call Best Buy? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, cool. yeah. Okay, I'll break the law. Yeah. <laughs> Prank. Break the law. Oh, God, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one DM'd me. I did this part out too, that no one DM'd me. <laughs> yeah, no one DM'd any Oh, 20 people DM'd me, but yeah. I was too busy podcasting really yeah. well. It was about other uh, shit. to notice. <laughs> yeah. Here, I'll, I'll DM Evan again. Hey, you avail for a call? We were going to talk about movie theater stories with people, and it was going to be so fun, and now I just have that hanging on my Twitter. Like People will be able to see, like, oh, okay, didn't really make good on that. You just can take it down. Nah. Take it down. Oh, delete it. This also doesn't come out <laughs> yeah. for another This doesn't come out for another week. So we're people scrubbing white. People will yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, take it down. Take it yeah. down. Oh, what's your uh, Wonder Wheel movie story? Wonder Wheel? So okay. we're, we're, we're done with the state of cinema. It's terrible, but at least there's like a handful of great directors still working. The real will always prevail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the popular cinema is trash. I'll just yeah. say that. Yeah. Wonder Wheel story. Wonder Wheel movie by Woody Allen. It's his most recent release to date. It came out 2017. A rainy day in New York. On the way. Yeah. Incoming. Um, someone leaked that for me. I need to see it, but yeah, someone put it on KG. KG. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Friday afternoon, and I, I heard Woody Allen had directed a new movie, so of course I went out to the theater to go see it. And <laughs> well, um, his new movie Wonder Wheel, I saw at the Lamley. It's Lamley, right? Lamley Encino Five. Ooh, the Town Center. Town Center. That is a good one, yeah. Man About Town. I've been I've been to that theater quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the clientele at the screening was mainly older. Older people, a lot of older yeah. people. I used to frequent that uh, a lot when I used to uh be located in Canoga Park, but uh this time it was a little different. You know, it was a matinee Woody Allen movie. We got an old crowd here, and it was not packed at all. Probably about Six people total, in- including me and my two friends my age. And like, <laughs> then right behind us were these two older ladies, um, you know, Jewish, two older Jewish ladies. And uh, I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, you know, my grandma uh, is a, was a regular at that theater yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, Who is Jewish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's not wrong for me to say <laughs> that they were Jewish. And uh, <laughs> get to the fucking point. <laughs> And the like Coney Island appears on screen and this this movie has Justin Timberlake speaking directly to scene from his lifeguard chair. It's, it's great. It's I think is that it how the rhymes movie? with Southland Tales kind of. Yeah. You know, so he has a similar <laughs> setup. Yeah. The Yang to the Yang. Yeah, and these old ladies they see Coney Island, they're like, Coney Island, Coney Island. I remember Coney Island. I used to go to Coney Island. Like just a woman who just saw Coney Island got excited as a child. And um, and they were talking throughout the movie, but I was you know, I was I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there necessarily just to sit down and enjoy. I wanted to soak in the whole experience, so I didn't mind. And uh, a couple rows ahead of me was a lone old man. Didn't get his <laughs> racial profile, um, but he just continued to spit on the floor throughout the movie. <laughs> just with like hawk up loogies, spit them on the ground. So I, I was just, yeah, I was, I was having a great time. <laughs> like there's this guy spitting on the ground. Some ladies chattering in the background and just like uh, Justin Timberlake, bright eyed, like uh, speaking directly to camera. Doing his Woody Allen impression. Do, yeah, doing speaking in Woody Allen dialogue, which yeah. is very weird to hear a bunch of actors do. So not a great movie. It's actually pretty. The cast list for that movie is Jim Belushi, Justin Timberlake and Kate Winslet. 
<laughs> so, the Belushi songs, unfortunately, was put on hold. True. For that and, movie. Yeah. and Polly from The Sopranos makes an appearance. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. I forgot about that. Who yeah. I think is a Woody Rakel? Not Rakel. I haven't seen enough of the late, late period Woody to say. He's a late Woody. I think he's been in a couple late Woodies. Okay. Mm-hmm. I so, wonder how he discovered him. I know that uh, Woody funny. Allen discovered mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake while watching the social network on his treadmill. <laughs> that's how he cast him. Uh, to think of Woody Allen watching new movies on his treadmill, that's a, that's a dangerous thought. <laughs> to think of him on a treadmill. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, based on that theater experience alone, I think whatever if Woody ever gets a movie out in theaters again, I don't know if he will. He might be... It might be it for him. We might have to travel across. Travel. To, we might have to go to Europe when A Rainy Europe. Day in New York comes out there theatrically. Mm-hmm. Watch it with Spanish subs. I think it's in Spain that it's coming out. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you know, if any fans want to meet up, you know, get some money together so we can make the trip, uh, I'd fully appreciate it. But yeah, if 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 there's a movie that comes out by him again, I'm going to go see it at the Lamley Encino 5. Yeah. I, I have a similar experience. Yeah, I saw Cafe Society at the Sherman Oaks Arclight, nice. uh, which is like a similar clientele, I guess. It's a little more, uh, the price is a little higher. Yeah. Uh, because I, w- I want that extreme comfort and maximum uh, cinematic viewing experience for my late period Woody Allen films, you know. Uh, yeah, just, you know, old Yenta's just talking the whole time, like about things not related to the movie. They're just having conversations behind me during the movie. <laughs> Uh, while I watch Steve Carell and Kristen Stewart <laughs> begin their romance, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a weird movie, but you know it looks pretty cool. I guess it was Woody's first digital one. I think that one looks better than Wonder Wheel. Yeah, it does. I think Wonder Wheel still kind of it looks, looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. It's a really bad movie. It's though. a really it's not as worse though. I will say to Rome with Love. I haven't seen it. No. Yeah. That one is really bad. Roberto Benini plays kind of the <laughs> Justin Timberlake role. Omniscient, you know, voice of God narrator. He is a uh, rather than a lifeguard, he is a traffic control. He's like a traffic cop. Like he's directing traffic through Rome. And it's really bad. And uh yeah, yeah you feel so bad for like the I think Emma Stone character just Damn. <laughs> really just takes an emotional toll. <laughs> <laughs> late late Woody like I haven't delved too much into Latewood. I guess I saw Cafe Society and Irresponsible, Irrational Man. Oh, I didn't oh, see that. Oh, I saw Irrational Man. And I thought Man. they were decent, but Wonder Wheel made me really think like... Damn, his brain doesn't work. Yeah, like his brain, like he's he should not make movies because like he, he probably can't, like yeah. physically can't. Irrational like, Man, I like, I thought sucked pretty hard. Yeah. Like yeah. they're <laughs> like, there's some real slogs there. True, uh-huh. true. I... Uh, yeah that was i saw that when that got released so the onset photos from a rainy day in new york are so funny i love the trailer the trailer's hilarious the trailer is incredible it seems like the drama is on (laughs) i just can't wait to find out who in new york everyone's sophisticated he loved new york so yeah i hope he keeps pumping them out um i want to see how weird and kind of disjointed yeah these can get those are the kind of movies you have to see in theaters But. Yeah, you actually shouldn't say that he. You want him to keep. Damn, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, guess I don't want the industry to support. Yeah, him. I guess. Not. I guess not. There's enough. There's enough to go through in the backlog. Yeah, there's he like, has like fifty movies. There's like fifty movies from the past ten years. I think. I think I've seen thirty-five Woody Allen movies or so, and like that's enough. You know. Damn, dude. If he makes another one, I'll watch it. Crisis in Six Scenes. Oh boy, that was hard to get oh, through. Shit. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Woody Allen, if you're listening, stop you, making retire. Yeah, bitch. why don't you yeah. retire? Yeah. You know, I kind of take back all the praise I gave you earlier yeah. the past seven minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, seven minutes in heaven with Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all the times in middle school buying tickets to PG movies to sneak into the R ones. Yeah. Classic maneuver. Yeah. I remember once. This this is pretty recently. Maybe shows my age a little bit, but I. Uh, Went to go see Ted 2. Ooh. I was set, I think I was 17. Did you go with your Thunder Buddy? What? Thunder Buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of the movie? Yeah. yeah I don't, Come I don't, on, you're going you're gonna to bring up Ted and not I didn't know see, the, I, the I didn't key see, parts of the movie? I didn't see the first one. Also, I don't remember most movies I watched. Ted like, I 2, bring your Thunder Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember is Giovanni Rabisi just acting, just chewing scenery. <laughs> but I had to, like, it was just really embarrassing. Like, my friends bought two tickets to ted 2 they're 18 <laughs> yeah. they're like no like where's like you're not 18 or so i guess no i must have been 16 because yeah you have to be 17 to get into an yeah. r 17 so yeah my friends are 17 i was 16 and then i just was like all right let me get whatever kids movie but i was just like 
I want to, I should be like, I just felt like in my heart of hearts, like if I want to buy a fucking ticket to go see Ted too, Wait, I should they, be able to. They would have turned you down. I, in my instance, like no, well, no yeah. one working at a movie theater ever cared. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Usually they didn't. I would usually buy tickets to R-rated movies all the time, but for some reason, Ted too was forbidden. I think it was a, opening day. Maybe that had part. Yeah. Let me see Ted too. <laughs> Speaking Sorry. of Seth MacFarlane, we talked about Family Guy, family a possible guy. Uwe Boll Family Guy live action movie last time. Like oh yeah, last family week. Guy. Okay, um, so I'll pull up the cast list for Family Guy. Okay, All I right. want to talk about yeah, Family Guy live action. It's not directed by Uwe Boll. It's going to be by someone else. Damn. All right, because Uwe Boll's sensibility is like too close to the point where it is at odds with the material. Yeah, because yeah. him and Seth are really going to bash heads. <laughs> You need a director who is skilled, but will let the creative head, Seth MacFarlane, uh, really take the reins and be the creative force of the movie. So I'm thinking Dennis Dugan. I was I was thinking about that, too. I was like, who fits this bill? And Dugan did pop up in my mind. Yeah. A, a so. favorite of the pod from Jack and Jill, Problem Child, mm-hmm. Happy Gilmore, and Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't mention earlier last week that I watched Jack and Jill during our catch-up segment. Jack and Jill rocks. I mean, everyone's talked about it. Al mm-hmm. Pacino gives one of the best performances of his career. And if he can get that out of Al Pacino for Jack and Jill, I think he can get it out of Patrick Stewart as Stewie. Oh, oh I was thinking like what is there any famous baby we know that we want to play Stewie? But you went creative. No, I like I yeah, was gonna yeah. I Stewie has to be an adult. True. <laughs> and it has to be just Patrick Stewart just dressed up <laughs> <laughs> in like a child's clothes. Yeah. Diaper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, talking about how much he wants to kill Lois. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Yeah. Susan, <laughs> Susan Sarandon is Lois. I like that a lot. Uh, a real life Peter Griffin uh, is uh, Peter Griffin. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. True. That guy. The yeah. Peter yeah. Griffin impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> that guy deserves a spot in the sun. So. Yeah. Does he, he do the voice too or does he just. Oh, yeah. Oh, he does okay. the voice. Yeah. I've only seen pictures. He's <laughs> on display. He's full dresser. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's see here. Who else do we need to cast then? Uh, well, Chris. Obviously. Yeah, Chris. Famous fat males. I think we, the ghost of Chris Farley comes to mind, yeah. but I think we got to keep it present. Yeah. Hmm. Um, maybe like Chris Hemsworth, but he like gets some <laughs> oh, weight. Fat he Thor. puts on, yeah, he oh, puts dude, on wasn't some weight. Fat Thor is such an epic win. <laughs> True. I, I caught up, I caught up on that, the fat forward discourse and, uh, I'm glad I did. Wasn't yeah. he freaking chill? Like the freaking <laughs> Lebowski? Lebowski. <laughs> I think he'll get God, a lot of sucks. asses in seats. Yeah, he <laughs> will get the asses in seats. I, I think I want Hemsworth. Potent- now, if we're going for like, not gritty reboot, but stuff that makes sense to the character's nature, mm-hmm. I think we go Hemsworth, who's a very good looking guy, as Quagmire. Oh, That's like his excuse to be fucking all the time is that like people actually want him to. Damn. Because it's very hard to make a movie about quagmire and this is this movie is like a quagmire episode for sure oh shit, <laughs> oh, shit. wow making decisions yeah <laughs> i hope seth doesn't get mad <laughs> quagmire you know it's kind of easy to go who has like a strong jaw to play like quagmire <laughs> <laughs> brock lesnar brock lesnar <laughs> Yeah, I'd say, I'd say we make that like a fun, like, you know, Hollywood's you been, the wrestlers. Yeah, Hollywood's been showing love to the wrestlers li- lately, so that's yeah. like a fun, yeah. You get Triple ball. H to play Quagmire. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan playing Quagmire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we have almost every. We still need Chris, Meg, Brian. Yeah, uh, oh, shit. Joe. Brian's, Brian's Is another Joe the one. the cop in the wheelchair? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Joe is oh I was gonna say John Mahoney but he's dead. Um, R.I.P. to a real one, John Mahoney <laughs> of Fraser. Oh yeah, John yeah. Mahoney would be great. Yeah, I was for some reason I was thinking of John Mulaney. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, John Mulaney should be. Oh, John Mulaney definitely fits into the Family Guy verse. He's kind of Quagmire-ish. Sure, but I like this weird casting Wait. of a wrestler as Quagmire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so John Mulaney already did uh, the pig in the Spider Verse. Yeah, so he could be Brian. Oh, potentially okay. he has kind of that energy. Get snarky. Yeah, he is snarky. Yeah, Brian's kind of like a slacker though, right? But I guess Mulaney could be like a slot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's not, but he could play one maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think if- he has range. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we got Joe. Huh. I think we put Clint Eastwood in a <laughs> <Joe>? wheelchair. 
Oh my, like, oh my god. Years younger. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe in no. this version is 80 years old. Oh, that's like the B story. Oh, we need Joe oh. takes like a Stewie is like trying to kill Lois with this like weird science thing that he yeah. made. Oh, of course. And then it accidentally hits Joe and it makes him all old. Oh. Yeah, and he's Clint Eastwood. Okay, all right. Yeah. I like that a lot. Alternate one I just had that came to mind Gerard Butler. Oh, that's okay. Gerard. Actually, shit. <laughs> Gerard okay, Butler it himself. starts as Gerard Butler, and then because oh. you can do both because the aging. Yeah, imagine, he has flashbacks. Yeah, imagine Gerard Butler and Clint Eastwood in the same movie. That would that's, fucking rule. That would oh I would God. fucking rock my. Imagine Mark Wahlberg, Clint Eastwood, Gerard Butler, all think, in the same movie. And Seth is gonna find a way to put Mark in this. Movie. Oh yeah, so Mark Wahlberg's probably gonna play himself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. There will be some. There's like, gonna be a cutaway the gag. Oh, there will yeah. be a cutaway. There'll be a running cutaway gag throughout the thing of Mark Wahlberg too. Like, oh, it's worse than uh, when Mark Wahlberg tried to do 9/11, and then Mark Wahlberg's like, "Gotta <laughs> I... do the 9/11. I gotta do it." <laughs> and he's he's having fun because it's Seth and they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I think, guess we're gonna put I this think, thing into production. <laughs> yeah, I think we've pretty much we've said. Do it. we need anything else? Who's doing the soundtrack? Seth's doing the soundtrack. He, he's writing. Yeah, he's singing and dancing. Yeah. yeah. There's actually. Oh yeah, two it's a musical. Members. Meg. Yeah. We skipped over Meg. Oh Kind shit. of our male gaze. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta blame that one on that. I guess. Well, it's honestly just like such a sexist depiction of a character that I don't even want to buy. I no. think I don't know. I think she has it's her. The, it's the reverse. <laughs> it's the way the show treats her is. Yeah. Sexy. Yeah. Yeah. But Meg herself is really smart and cool. <laughs> yeah, my, I think I think Meg is my favorite Family Guy character. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking Aquafina. Aquafina. Yep. Cap it. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get someone. You gotta get package someone that. Yeah. <laughs> Trendy choice. <laughs> All right. So as the family, we have the Peter Griffin impersonator as Peter, <laughs> Susan Sarandon as Lois, <laughs> Patrick Stewart as Baby Stewie. John Mulaney as Brian the dog. Who's oh fuck? Who's Chris? Oh, we didn't do Chris okay. either. Um, That's one of the Chris's. It's Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. he's gonna get along with Clint Basic. on set for Done. sure. Yeah. True. Yeah. They're both Trump guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Meg Aquafina. Aquafina. Yeah. <laughs> She's she might be at odds with them. Yeah. So there might be some <laughs> oh shit. She might be clapping back. True. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know outside looking in, we got Joe played by both Gerard Butler and Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Legendary. We got Mark Wahlberg as himself in several cutaway gags. Wait, who's Quagmire again? <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, right? Did we decide that? Oh, or was no, it a wrestler? Uh, it's a wrestler. Oh, wrestler. Which wrestler are we going to use? I, I, the last one we said was Hulk Hogan, but we could use someone else. <laughs> Hulk Hogan is guilty. So. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be giving him roles. Yeah. Um, Chris Benoit. All right, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Right as you said that, I was like, oh shit, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, fuck this guy, old boy. Movie for bros, by the way. <laughs> 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 Roll back the tape.